So this morning, friends, I need help. I need help from the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to pray. Holy Spirit needs to work through me. And the Holy Spirit, I was literally praying this this morning. I kid you not. Lord, keep me cool. Keep me cool. Because if you know anything, I, did, I tend to perspire a little bit. And I see some of the, no, the sympathetic nods. Yes, I see you. Um, and so I'm literally, so I'm trusting. I'm trusting that the Holy Spirit literally is going to be blowing down on me as I'm praying. It's, I'm, I kid you not, that's what I did pray this morning. But let's pray for more spiritual things than that. So, Father, we thank you for this opportunity together. I thank you, Lord, that we are family. I thank you, Father, that we are friends, both in the building and online this morning. And I thank you, Father, that you speak to us. You already have been speaking to us, and I trust that you will continue to speak to us, Lord. As I was preparing this this week, friends, I was praying that I wouldn't just preach something that hopefully brings revelation. And more and more, this is what I'm wanting to be aiming at. But I'd be praying, or sorry, I'd be preaching something that brings transformation. Not just a good word, but a word that changes my life. And so, Father, I pray for that this morning. That is not possible in Quentin Preen's words. That is possible when the Holy Spirit takes what has been prepared, He anoints it, He empowers it, He equips it. And he plants it in your heart. And so that's what I pray this morning. Would, we, would I speak well under your guidance this morning, Holy Spirit? And would we listen and hear well once again under your guidance this morning? Amen. Wonderful. Thank you. So friends, this morning I'm wanting to share something of a journey that God's had me on for a couple of weeks now. I've been doing my quiet time through the book of Ephesians. Um, Philippians, Colossians, I've just clicked, I've just switched over into Thessalonians, reading about a guy called Paul. I'm sure we're all familiar with Paul, the great apostle Paul. And once again, friends, just incredibly amazed, amazed that God took someone like Paul, who was previously Saul, persecuting the church, chose him, empowered him, anointed him. Paul says, I come to you not with wise and persuasive words only. Although his words were wise and persuasive, yes, he spent time with God. He heard things directly from God that I wish we would hear directly from God. But it says he didn't just come with revelation, but he came with power. He says, I didn't come with wise and persuasive words, but I came with a demonstration. And so as I've been reading, friends, I've been reading with those two perspectives, those two sort of lenses, is looking for the wise and persuasive words, which are there on every page. But also saying, Lord, show me the power at work in the big things and the small things, because that's what I want to go after. And so as I've been doing that, friends, and as I've been reading that, I've been once again just overawed at this man, Paul. Just wondering to myself, what is his secret? What does he know that we should know? What did God tell him that we wish God would tell us? It says this in Philippians 4, verse 11 to 13. It says, not that I was ever in need, for I've learned how to be content with whatever I have. Can I just pause there quickly, friends? If you go and read Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, even Thessalonians, quick question, where was Paul writing from? Somebody, where was Paul writing from? Anybody? He was in prison. He was in prison. He was shackled. He was imprisoned, friends. The conditions of the prison of those days, I don't think were very dissimilar to the conditions of the prison of these days. Not a great place to to, to be. But from that place, from that context, Paul pens these words. 
Not that I was ever in need. For I've learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or with little. For I can do all things. I can do everything who, with, through Christ who gives me strength. And as I read that, friends, once again, I was saying, man, from prison, Paul is writing incredibly powerful words. What did he know? What did God tell him? What did he learn? What did he learn to discover? Because we need some of that. Yes, in today's, in today's climate, I'm sure you'll agree with me, friends. There are many things we can moan about, right? But Paul writes, it doesn't matter. Because I've learned a secret. And I felt God beginning to unpack for me a little bit of what that secret was. You see, if you backtrack Philippians 4, verse 11 to 13, you read Philippians 4, verse 6. Paul writes this. He says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Now, being a good believer, I would say, yes, absolutely. Pray about everything. That sounds about right. Tell God what you need. Yes, in line with what the Bible says. God knows or God will answer your prayer if we come to him and we ask him. Yes, that's what the Bible says. It's all good so far. But then it says, and thank him for all that he has done. Thank him for all that he has done. Once again, Paul in prison, friends, says, reminds the believers, thank God for all that he has done. Paul, friends, lived from a revelation of what it meant to be thankful. And I believe, friends, that sets him up for much, not exclusively, but sets him up for much of his ministry that was wise and persuasive words and demonstration of God's power. And so this morning, what I want to share about, friends, is the secret that I believe Paul got to discover that enabled him to pivot his life that even though he was in prison, even though he was in many a situation, Corinthians tells us that Paul was shipwrecked, that he went hungry. He floated around in the ocean for a day and a half. He was flogged many times over. He was left for dead. He was lonely. Paul was able to pivot his life, friends, because I believe he had an understanding that you and I need to have about an attitude of gratitude. Of what it means to be truly thankful. What it means that when you are truly thankful according to the, how the Bible requires us. Not just teaching your kid at the end of the sentence to say thank you. That is not what Paul is talking about. It's not some society sort of good, good deed. deed. But, but at, at the, the heart, heart of hearts heart to be thankful. thankful. It, it sets, sets you up, up for, for an incredible, incredible life, friends. So I've, I've got, got two, three questions, questions quickly that, that I want us to work through. through. I want to read what, what, what I want to ask. What, what does the Bible say about thankfulness? thankfulness? And friends, as, as I've been com- contemplating these two scriptures, 1 Thessalonians 5.18 and Colossians 5.20, I've come to respect Paul once again. These two scriptures, friends, we know the Bible challenges, right? These two scriptures, if you wrestle with God about this, will challenge you to your core. 
They are incredibly challenging scriptures when it comes to this area of thankfulness. Grab your Bible literally, 1 Thessalonians 5.18. Paul writes, he says, be thankful. Help me, be thankful. In all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Jesus. So whichever circumstance you find yourself in, Paul exhorts us. To be thankful in all circumstances, friends. But then we read in Ephesians 5.20. This is just my opinion, but I believe that he had spent more time doing this. This being thankful thing. And so his understanding and his revelation grew more. Ephesians 5.20 says, And give thanks. Help me. Give thanks. For... Everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, I believe Ephesians 5.20 is an expanded practical exhortation on 1 Thessalonians 5.18. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 tells us, give thanks in all circumstances. But if we want to upgrade that revelation, because we heard Brent speak a little earlier in the month about, be, about having outlook upgraded, I believe if we want to upgrade that, we go to Ephesians 5.20, where Paul exhorts us and he says, give thanks for all things, taking thankfulness to a whole other level, friends. Let me break it down, because I like simple things. I enjoy summer. Who enjoys summer? Summer evenings, nice and cool. You go outside, if you can see the setting sun without the smog of Richards Bay, come to Mfalozi, you see incredible, you see incredible sunsets. Really, you do. A great time of the day. Especially when I can and when time allows it, you combine a good old shisinyama with the evening, it's like, what heaven on earth, you know? Honestly, I, I've, I've built a little braai, it's, it's my, my time, time. that's my happy place. place. Enjoying the evening. But, but guess who else enjoys the evening? Then there's a whole lot more, and you find yourself doing this until you get to the place of, like, this is not a good place, let me go back inside. I've lost the enjoyment factor. Using that analogy. If I had to apply 1 Thessalonians 5.18, Scripture tells me be thankful while I'm busy brying. While I'm busy slapping mozzies, wishing that they were cast into hell. Questioning God, what's the point of mozzies, really? Ephesians 5.20 puts the focus a little bit different. Not, Not just give thanks while you're brying, slapping mozzies, but give thanks for the mozzies. Do you understand how that takes your revelation of thankfulness to a completely different level? How it is upgraded? No longer, friends, when we go through difficult situations, and I won't, imp- I won't impute onto you what that means. I know what it means for me. But no longer am I called... And And this this is is tough theology theology for a lot of us. No No longer longer am I called to be thankful while I'm going through this thing. Lord, I'm hanging on, but I'm still thankful. No, I'm called to be thankful 
for why, why I'm going, going through this thing. thing. Paul, Paul said, he said, not, not my words, be thankful for all these things. And remember Philippians 4, 13 ends off that whole thing of, I've discovered a secret. He says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Once again, I respect where you are, sir. I respect where you are, ma'am. I'm not playing down what you're going through and facing. But, but what, what I want to remind us of this morning is we are called to be thankful for every single situation we are going through. In Christ, He gives us the strength. How do we do that? How do we do that? This is an incredible theology, friends. And it's, a whole di- it's probably a whole different journey of preaching, the theology of suffering. But Paul says, give thanks for all things. There's two things I believe that would enable us four things to be thankful for things. One we need to understand friends that God is sovereign. God is sovereign. That despite what you're going through, despite what you're facing, despite the journey that you're in, despite the place that you find yourself at right now, God is in control. God is in control. Paul, floating around in the ocean, honestly, a day and a half, I wonder how many times the thought went through his head, oh Lord, I hope you've got this. I hope you've got this. Being tested in a very real way. God is sovereign. God is in control. We have to remind ourselves about that, friends. And then secondly, the thing that we need to remind ourselves, friends, is the theology that God is always at work. And I want to tie it in. With what was said earlier. God is always at work for our good. Don't forget that. All things work out for good. For those who love him. Thank you, Baba. So to, to, to choose the words, this is not my quote. This is the quote of somebody else. All things work out for the good in the end of those who love him. So if it's not good, it's not the end. If it's not good yet, it's not the end. If we're going to believe scripture that says that God works, and God works for the good of all those who believe, who, are, who call themselves believers, friends. Everything works out for the good in the end. If it's not good yet, understand it's not the end yet. God is still in control. God is still working. Our, require, our responsibility is to keep our eyes fixed on him. Friends, Paul lived in the revelation, the understanding that we are called to give thanks in all. And we are called to give thanks for all. And that his faith needed to transcend 
his feeling to be able to accomplish that. So friends, how do we make this practical? How do we actually do this? I mean, it sounds great. It sounds great. It's incredibly tough, but it sounds great. It's the Bible. Of course it's great. But how do we work this thing out, friends? Turn with me to the book of Colossians. I'd love to read, and as I read the scripture, I'm going to be pulling out a couple of points here. This is Paul writing once again, Colossians 2, sort of a little way down Colossians 2. We're going to be reading from, where's my verses? Reading from verse 12. If you read there, it says, freedom from rules and new life in Christ. Freedom from rules and new life in Christ. Paul, this is him writing from the revelation that he carried to say that there is a new life that can be lived. A new life that is free from rules. Free from the old, free from me wanting to moan and groan and complain. And there is a new life to live in Christ. We're going to then read into chapter 3 where it then tells us how to live that new life. So let's read together. Colossians 2 verse 12 to 15. As I said, as I'm reading through it, I'm going to be pulling out a couple of points here about how do we make this thing practical. Colossians 2 verse 12, it says, For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. You were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all my sin. He forgave all our sin. He canceled the record of the charges against us. He took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them under, over them, sorry, not under the cross, on the cross. Friends, from that, how do we make this practical? Once again, picking up on a point that was mentioned earlier. Friends, we need to live from the revelation that Paul lived from, that God is both good and God is both great. If we live from a place of pursuing the goodness of God, understanding the goodness of God, and focusing on the greatness of God, and worshiping and praising Him for His greatness, friends, we will begin to build that that under, undergirds and upholds a life of thankfulness, taking our eyes off us. You see, when I'm unthankful, friends, I'm not looking at God. Guess who I'm looking at, Baba? Who am I looking at? Me. My eyes are squarely focused on me and my issues. And my discomfort and how this is affecting me. But when we begin to remind ourselves God is good and both and great, guess what happens? We take our eyes off ourselves and we put them on Jesus. And that's what this passage is speaking about, friends. God is good because he forgave our sins. He is good because he disarmed all principalities. He is good because he canceled the record of charges against us. There is so much rich theology there about wow, how God is good, friends. We need to tap into that. But not only is he good, he is great. He is above all. All power is his. 
He holds us. He holds our lives. He holds Richards Bay. He holds Richards Bay government, the report of Richards Bay. He holds KZN. He holds everything in his hands because he is so great, friends. Let's take our eyes off ourselves and let's focus them on God. Colossians 3 verse 1 to 2. I love this. Paul, very practical man. He says, since you have been raised to a new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven and not the things of earth. I love Paul's perspective. I wrote here, thinkers are thankers. Thinkers are thankers. Paul writes, focus on the realities of heaven. He's saying, carry an eternal perspective. Yes, we're going to go through tough times. Yes, we're going to face trials and tribulations. Yes, God is with us. But oh, for the glory that is ours in the future, in eternity one day. Focus on the realities, not the myth of heaven, not the lie of heaven, the reality of heaven, friends. Oh. Sit down, think, get perspective. Understand there is our current life, and then there is all of eternity, friends. Think about the realities. Thinkers are thankers. Let's carry on reading. Colossians 3. Picking up from verse, where are we going? Verse 3 again. It says, for you died to this life and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ who is your life is revealed to the whole world, you will share in his glory. So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshipping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world. Hear this outlook, church. But now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. Paul, friends, in prison. Paul being flogged. Paul floating on the seas. Paul being shipwrecked, being cursed, going angry. Those friends were all opportunities where this word was, this verse was working itself out. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters and he lives in all of us. I wrote wrote here, friends, to be able to thank, we need to be able to transform. To be able to be truly thankful, friends, we need to be able to truly be those that are transformed. Putting off these things that are not of God. And saying, Lord, in this life, on this journey, I want to know you. That's what Paul said. 
in another scripture, and I, f- I forget where it is, he writes this. He says, I press on forgetting what is behind. I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Paul understood his journey was a journey of transformation. And it took both the good and the bad to transform him. More practical things. Verse 12. Since God chose you to be a holy people, he loves you. You must clothe yourself with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Please take note of this next verse. Make allowance for each other's faults. And forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you. So you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Next point friends in terms of how do we make this practical. And I'll say to myself first and then I'll say to you so that I offend me first before I offend you. Quentin Preen, come down off your holy mountain. Outlook Church, come down off your holy mountain. Paul says, make allowance for other people's faults. Friends, this side of heaven, there is no perfect Christian. There is no perfect church. We all are on a journey of pursuing and becoming more like Jesus, dealing with our character, dealing with our behavior, dealing with our lifestyle, under the authority of the word and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. If we set bars of of expectation that are up here and people do not meet those expectations, guess guess what's going to happen? You are continuously going to live in a life of unthankfulness, friends. Now, I'm not saying let's let's lower the bar so that we're all thankful. I'm not saying that at all. Don't hear what I'm not saying. But hear what the Word of God is saying. Make allowance for people. He reminds us, remember you were a sinner and God forgave you. Don't treat people with some unru- well, don't treat people with some unrealistic expectation, friends. And if they don't meet those expectations, you then walk around with an attitude of, you're not good enough. Whether that's your spouse, whether that's your children, whether that's your boss, in God, in God, find how you must relate to people got something to do with love and live a thankful life out of living a loving life friends okay nine o'clock how do we respond if we can have the worship team up quickly please friends i wrote down here two things how do we respond well it's really simple really really simple i said Response number one, open your eyes to what you have and therefore be thankful. But as I was praying into that this morning, I felt the Holy Spirit tell me, we are not called to open our eyes of our heads. 
We are called to open the eyes of our hearts. Paul, he prayed this. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart would be opened, that you would be enlightened. You see, friends, when we want to see, when we want to see things of thankfulness, it's not just your, your, the eyes and your eye socket, your eyeballs that are needing to be opened. It's your heart that's needing to be opened first. When your heart opens first, your eyes open next. If we walk around with hardened hearts and we walk around with, 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 with crusted hearts, friends, guess what? You're not going to see anything to be thankful for. But when you allow God to do heart surgery, you will start seeing things to be thankful for. And then it's really simple. Just make a start. Honestly, make a start. In that situation where you're finding yourself saying, I cannot be thankful. Can we make some noise at the back here? Won't you stand, please? Friends, I felt to pray this morning, and I've asked the worship song, the worship team, just to do the song again, Open the Eyes of My Heart. Because my prayer this morning, friends, is that if you in your heart are carrying something, we probably all, if we're honest with ourselves, carrying many scenarios where we have no attitude of gratitude. There is no thankfulness. But you know what? Let's, let, let's not tackle the big things. Let's just tackle one thing this morning. Because what I've learned, friends, is that when we do one thing and we do one thing well, God releases grace and he releases faith to be able to do the next thing well. And so I would ask, as we sing this song again, remember we're asking the Lord for transformation. Not just to walk away from here going, oh, that sounded sort of okay. But rather, Lord, change my heart. Help me to be someone who is more thankful. One situation where you cannot be thankful in or for this morning. My prayer is ask God to open the eyes of your heart and to show you one thing that you can be thankful for in that very same situation. Because I believe as we begin to, even if it is through gritted teeth, to say, thank you, Lord, for these darn mozzies. I believe God will begin to release something in our hearts this morning. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray that as, as we surrender to you this morning, it's what worship is, friends. It's, it's, it's a combination of surrender and obedience. We surrender in our hearts, and we live lives of obedience. True worship that brings glory to Jesus. Help us to surrender this morning, and Holy Spirit, give us all that is needed this morning to walk in obedience to your word. We pray this in your mighty name.